If you have your Bibles, you open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, we know the story in 1 Samuel 17, we're all familiar with it, and you may not know, maybe it's not there, but you've heard the story of David and Goliath. Um, you know, uh, he's the sheep, he's keeping the sheep, and his dad sends him to go bring his brother's food, right? We know that story. We probably, I don't know, if you've been in church any time, you've probably heard a hundred sermons about this particular story. And uh, we know the story, so he goes to meet his brothers with his food, and what happens? Are his brothers happy to see him? No, they're mean to him. They make fun of him, right? And they say, what did you come up here for? And all that stuff. And so with that in mind, I want you to, to consider, this is the part where um, they, they were trying to ridicule him for coming, and they were, make, they were just being mean to him. And let's uh, pick up in verse 28. It says, and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Verse 29 is where I want to put our focus on this morning. And David said, what have I now done? Now look at this next phrase. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And that's the title of this sermon, is there not a cause? Here we have a big ugly giant running down the name of David's God. Right? And David's not happy with it. And when I look out here and I see the same thing happening, I'm not happy with it either. Right. And I want to, this, this phrase has really got me gripped, is, is there not a cause? Because there is a cause. The pastor was saying about the fighting fundamentalist on Wednesday. And that's what I'm talking about. So we have a fight, right? Is there not a cause? David loved God and was willing to fight for him. Right? And so the, we have a fight on our hands. And if you ever notice the life of David, if you've ever, ever studied that out, the life of David, he had a lot of fight in him. Didn't he? I mean, he, since he was a kid, right? Like he was fighting animals. He was fending off the lions and the bears, people. All through his life, he was at war, right? The guy had a lot of fight in him. We can learn a lot from him. And so my question is, is, is there a fight in us as a church? Do we... In this church body, each individual, do we have any fight in us, right, as a church? And we can, we can sit back at a church, especially you can look around and say, well, I think the church is full enough. Look around, we're running, running out of chairs. Why fight? We're good. We've made it. This is what we want, right? No, that, that can be a thought process, though. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we have to still have a fight. Jude 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. To earnestly contend. That word contend reminds me like a boxing match, right? I always hear the bell, ding, 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 when I, when I read that word. But are we contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints? Because listen to me, there's a lot of false ways out there. There's a lot of false teaching out there. I would invite you to come knocking doors someday, and you'll find out the people are crazy in what they believe in. I hear stuff that I, like, you believe that, but you won't believe the Bible? You've got to be out of your mind. And we must fight against those things. We have to fight against the false teaching. We've got to hate them, because God hates every false way. That's what the Bible says. And we got to hate it too. 
Psalm 119, 104 says, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. If God hates it, then I do too. There's false doctrine we've got to fight against, but we also have a fight. We have to fight for the lost. There's a lot of lost people. Is there not a cause? Is hell real to you? There's people out there dying and going to hell today. And what are we going to do about it? Is there not a cause? What's the cause? The cause is to fill heaven. That's what God wants. God's desire is for heaven to be full. Do you realize that? That's what he wants. And guess what? He wants to use us to get it that way. Right? Luke 14, 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out in the highways and the hedges and compel him to come in, that my house may be filled. That's God's desire is for a full heaven. So I look in this room today and I see a lot of potential. I, I could think of if we would all go and do everything that God told us to do, what could happen? And we could have heaven that much more full today. Right? So, so are we doing that? That's my question. I'm not saying you aren't. I'm just saying I, we need to often evaluate our lives as Christians and to say, are we actually doing what God wants us to be doing? Do you realize that Sunday church attendance isn't all there is as a Christian? Right? We have to, we have to use this so that we can go out there. Right? Does that make sense? This is, this is not others because we got a lot of people that we have to reach. There's a lot of people that don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, or they're very confused on it because some other people maybe knocked on their door and told them some false doctrine. Or they grew up somewhere where they never knew about Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people, a lot of young people. I've talked to people, they've never heard of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't know, they know what Jesus was on the cross, but they don't even know why he was on the cross. So we got to go tell them. There's people dying and going to hell. The Bible says we need to pull them out of the fire. We have to warn them. Acts 20, verse 31 says, And the Lord said unto the, unto the servant, uh, That's not it here. Gee whiz. Acts 20, I thought I fixed that. Acts 20, verse 31. It says, uh, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. He's out warning everyone with tears, day and night. Colossians 1.28 says, Whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may, be present, every, we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to turn now to set the book of 2 Samuel. We're in the book of 1 Samuel. Just go on over to 2 Samuel, first, uh, chapter 11. 2 Samuel 11. So I see the fact that we could all go and we could all preach the gospel and fight for the faith, right? And now I want another thing with David. If we follow the life of David, like we, I kind of want to do a little bit of that today. David's, you know when David did his best fighting? It was when he was close with God. When David was close with God, that's when he did his best fighting. And guess what? The only way we're going to properly fight and contend for the faith is if we're close with God. Right? If there's things in our life lacking in our Christianity, in our walk with God, if it's lacking, we need, it's maybe because we're not close with God. And if you're not close with God, it's not because God went anywhere. Right. Amen? It's because we did. And that's something we have to understand. 
And so if you look in 2 Samuel there, if you're all there, uh, chapter 11, just look at verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Uh-oh. What's going on here? I'd say David's probably not that close to God, is he? Because he lost his fight. You see that? And we know what happens. He goes on and he gets the woman and we all know what happens. He commits adultery and has her husband killed to try to cover it up. A man doing that is not close with God. Pretty plain, right? But the point is, the further we get away from God, the less we are willing to fight. And so I want to tell you this morning is not ever, don't ever be content with your spiritual life. Don't ever get to a point where you think that you have it all figured out as an individual, and we can't get that way as a church, right? Because we, we, we don't. I know that sometimes we tend to think, oh, I am so spiritual, I have it all figured out, and if everyone, when everyone gets to my spiritual level, then, then, I'll, then I'll do something else, right? I know that from experience. I've been there. And that's the worst place we can be because we think we're something. And we're not. God's everything in us. And so we cannot be, we haven't arrived. Because why? Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there is none righteous, no, not one. And so, as I look around this church, I just want to say this. Do you realize this church church hasn't always been like this? with the programs, with the ministries, and all the things that are going, like we got things going on in here, people going there and there, it's all coordinated, and and it's pretty minimal on the flaws. It's actually really impressive of what goes on here. But it always hasn't been like that. You realize somebody fought for that. There was a man, and I never met the man, Mr. Williams, Pastor Williams, and he's influencing me today, and I never met him. Because why? Because he was willing to fight for this. I've heard stories of the man up on Dinosaur Hill before this church ever existed. He was praying over the city of Rapid City. You realize that's why we're here today. You see what I'm saying? The guy had fight, and he fought for this. He was sleeping in a basement of a church building. This man had fight in him. And, and I think of uh, Mr. First, and, and our pastor now is continuing to fight for this. And we need to continue to pray for him because I know he's fighting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still influencing today because of his fight. And our church is going to continue on to bring the gospel to this lost world because we have a pastor now who's willing to fight. And if he's willing to fight, then I think you and I should be able to be willing to fight as well. Is there not a cause? The danger in this way this church operates is that we can become very complacent and there's a potential for failure because we can lose our fight. Does that make sense? If we get too comfortable and we think, well, this is all there is, 
then the fight goes away. And it can happen in a family as well. I'm a first-generation Christian. I didn't get saved till my late 20s, and I had a lot of problems. I don't need to go into detail of what those were. But I had to fight my wife as well. We got baptized on the same day. And I had to fight to get these wicked, nasty things out of my life. I had to run them out of my house. And I brought Jesus into that house. And he's there today, and my three out of four kids are saved. The one's only a month old, so give her a break, right? (laughs) We'll see. But what I'm saying is, when I raise my children up, I fought to get Jesus in the house, and guess what? They're reaping the benefit of that. But what can happen to them? They can get complacent. Because mommy and dad did all the fighting for them. And listen to me, this, what this society needs is godly families. And if we want Christian homes, we have to be Christians in the home. You see what I'm saying? So we got to engage our kids in the fight. Get them in the fight. I've seen my little Charlie go up on a door and tell a lady, I'm safe. <laughs> There's a fight. They, they can hear what's going on. They hear what people believe in. And they go, they really believe that? Yeah. They think that's going to get them to heaven. Engage. They need to engage in the fight. We as a church need to not grow complacent and sitting around. We need to engage in the fight. Now we have that, uh, our potential for failure, and then we have a reward for the fight. We ain't fighting for nothing. Amen. Turn to 2 Timothy, if you would. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Go to the T books. They're all clustered together. First and Second Thessalonians and First and Second Timothy Titus. Amen. All the T's all together. Second Timothy chapter 4. But what we have to do is make sure... We have to make sure we're fighting the right fight. I'm, we're talking a lot about fighting today. We're talking a lot about that kind of thing. But we have to have the right fight. Right? There's a lot of things that we can fight for that aren't necessarily the right thing to do. And they could be maybe a good cause, but it's not the right thing. And, and if, we, if we're all there in 2 Timothy 4, look at verse 6. For I am, this is uh, the Apostle Paul talking about his fight. For I am now ready to be offered at the time of my depart, my, uh, in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto the, all them also that love is appearing. Okay, so Paul, that doesn't mean that he just went out and chose some fight and went and fought it well. What that verse is saying is that Paul had the right fight, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and preaching it, right? And he had the the right thing to do there. And what is the right thing to do? Mark 16, 15 says, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen to me, that's the last thing the Lord said before he ascended to heaven. Has he told us to go and preach the gospel to every creature, right? So that should be our first priority, amen? Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And though I am with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. That's the, that's the cause. 
That's the fight. That's what we need to be doing. That's what Paul's talking about. He fought the good fight. He kept the faith. He kept going. He did that his whole life. He spent his whole life doing it. And so is that what we're doing as well? Because we have a reward in that. And you remember that in verse 8, a crown of righteousness. I want a crown of righteousness. I was just telling Abby on the way here, I said, you know what? When I get to heaven, I don't want God to say, hey, welcome to heaven. I want God to say, there he is. That guy did everything I wanted him to do. Man, you did such a good job while you were down on earth. You were such a servant of the Lord. You did so good. That's what I want. That's the crown of righteousness. I don't want to just merely escape hell. You see what I'm saying there? There's There's a crown of righteousness to obtain. And anyone can obtain it. Listen to me, you don't have to be special to obtain that. You know what you got to be is humble. I always say there's always, when I talk about the potential in this place, you know when it comes to humility, there's always room to go down. Right? God doesn't need how great and awesome we are. What God needs is our mouth and our body. He's got the word, right? Is there not a cause? I want that crown. And I'm willing to do the work. And so how do we fight? What weapon do we use? The word of God. We got the weapon right here. Do we not? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and to the Joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, people say, how do I know the Bible is true? I would just read that verse. (laughs) The Bible, I know the Bible is true is because it's the Bible says so. Amen. Ephesians 6, 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This, is, this Bible is what gets people saved. This Bible is what gets people to heaven. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good works. Listen to me. We have the Word of God here today. And we don't have to leave it here because we can carry it around with us. This is what people need. This is the fight. Is there not a cause? We have the King James Bible here, and it's the, it's the preserved, perfect Word of God. And what are we doing with it? Are we reading it? Are we memorizing? Do we know it? Are we living by it? We have the Word of God. Now let's take heed to it. Let's not only listen to it, but let's do what it says. Or else we can run into grave danger. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we ought to give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. Listen to me, there's always a danger, there's always a potential of letting those things slip. And that's what, we got to keep the fight going, we got to keep on the offense so that that doesn't happen. And here's how we do it. We pay attention to this word. We use it. We read it. We live by it. Every way we think, the things we say ought to be going through the Word of God. They should be filtered through the Word of God. 
because they're not a cause. This world needs this book, so it should be coming out of our mouth, right? So I'd like you to turn to uh, 1 Kings. So you were back there in 1st, 2nd Samuel. Those are the one, two books, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Go to the one, two books again and go to 1st Kings. Because we have to remember one thing about this fight is we're not in this fight alone. Remember that. God is with us. God said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And guess what? God's pretty interested in the cause. <laughs> he's pretty interested in the fight. Amen. And he, so he's willing to fight for us because we want that salvation to come. until he, He's not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. So the cause is salvation in Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's where... Uh, we have to remember that we're not alone in all of this. And remember, David's fighting was best when he was close with God. And you can see that. And it's the same with Solomon, his son. And that's what we're going to see in 1 Kings chapter 8 here. Sorry, I didn't tell you the chapter. Just go to 1 Kings and let's take a guess, right? So 1 Kings chapter 8, look at verse 57. Because the fighting, David was close with God, so he's fighting, and same with Solomon. This is right after he built the house and his house and all that stuff. And uh, it says, the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him and walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And let these my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night. Listen to this. That he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as the matter shall require. Listen to this. Why, why, why do you want to do that? Why does God want to maintain our cause? Why, why is that? Look at verse 60. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. That's why. We need to get out there. There is only one God. And that the earth may know that there's one God. That the earth may know. Remember, that's the cause, that the earth may know. That heaven can be as full as possible because of what we're doing today. Now, there's one last thing I would like to show you to kind of illustrate the, the fight and what we're supposed to be doing and how we engage into it. This is one of the best pictures I've seen in the Bible and if you've been, I've probably talked to you about it before. I just really love this. Is if you turn to Second Samuel twenty-three. Second Samuel twenty-three. Remember, we want the whole earth to know. There's a fight before us, and there's a potential for failure and complacency. But we have to continue on. Second Samuel twenty-three. There's a. Um, we're going to get to the end of David's life here. Right, this is after everything. And, and what he's doing, he's telling stories of his mighty men. And another great thing, if you want to read, study David's mighty men sometime. But this is kind of coming along when David's getting on in years. He's getting ready to die. And he's kind of just reiterating some stories. And he tells this story in 2 Samuel 23 of a mighty man, and this is a perfect picture of everything I'm talking about today, about fighting the cause. Is there not a cause? <clears throat> Second Samuel 23, look at verse 9. 
And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the uh, Ahohite. Now, if your dad's name's Dodo, you're going to have to be pretty tough. Right? This kid had to get beat up. But anyway. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. So here, Israel went away for the battle because they didn't want to fight it. But here, this guy's going to do the fighting. Okay. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after only to spoil. So here's a guy willing to fight when other people weren't. So... We need to be willing to fight even when other people aren't. And, and this guy, like Paul, he fought the good fight. He was doing what God wanted him to do, but, but we have to pay attention. Look at verse 10. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. His hand was so tired of fighting that he couldn't let go of the sword. Do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see the parallel? Are we fighting hard enough with this word of God that we couldn't even put it down if we wanted to? This guy fights so many people with his sword, he couldn't put his sword down if he wanted to because of his hand was cleaved to it. Are we clinging on to the word of God that tight? Do we know who Eleazar, the son of Dodo, is? Do we know these people that are in the Bible? Listen to me, they're not just characters. This, this is God trying to tell us, you stick and cleave to the word of God. You hold on to that sword. You get it so ingrained inside of you that you come to the end of the life, you couldn't even forget it if you wanted to. Because it's inside of you. It's part of you. You've been spending your whole life living it out. You've been spending your whole life reading it and memorizing it and using it. You're leading people to the Lord with it. And when your life comes to an end, you couldn't put it down if you wanted to. You see what I'm saying here? We need to cling to this word of God if we want to fight the good fight. If we want to be like Paul and, and run and, and keep the faith. And like, like Jude says, to contend the, for the faith once delivered unto the saints. This is how we do it. Do we know it? Can we apply it? When our friends and our loved ones are in need, can we use this book to help them? When we're confronting people out of, whether it's at their door, whether we're at the grocery store, or in the neighborhood, at the park. There's always people everywhere, all the time. Are we using the Word of God to help them, or is it our own idea? Because if I give them my wisdom, <laughs> they're in trouble. Because I used that for a long time, and it didn't get me anywhere. But if we are like this Eleazar, the son of Dodo... We go fight that battle. Just like Jill's saying, the, the society's seemingly spiraling out of control. We have the answer. Is there not a cause today? We can't just sit back and watch the world crumble. We have, we're sitting here on the answer today. What are we doing with it? Let's go and tell them. Let's go and warn them. Let's cling to this. Is there not a cause, church, today? Is there not a cause? Listen to me. We're equipped to go. Because we have a mouth and we have this book. We're all qualified. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that uh, you've given us your word. And you've given us clear instruction on how to live our life in it. I thank you that you haven't left it up to us to figure out how to live our life. But you've mapped it all out in a clear book. Lord, I just pray for each and every one in here this morning. That we could all understand that we all have room to grow spiritually. And there is none that have arrived. So, Lord, I just pray this morning for the prideful heart that it be humbled. And I pray for the one who thinks they don't have what it takes to fight for you, that they realize that all it takes is faith and trust in you to do the fighting. I pray for those maybe who don't even know you. They may not even know what I'm talking about. The first thing we must do is come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he died on a cross in our place. And by simply putting our trust in him and the death, burial, and resurrection, we can be saved and engage in the fight ourselves. I think that's the best thing that will ever happen to that soul. And we'll want others to know as well. God, give us an attitude of uh, one that says, that, so we let the whole world know that you're God. Lord, we don't have to be nasty or mean, but Lord, help us to speak the truth and love to those without. Again, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray that it could have been an encouragement. Lord, I just pray for pastor in the next hour during the Sunday morning service. I pray for um, our lives as Christians, Lord, that we can realize that there's a whole life to live and a big fight to fight. and We have a big God to do it. Help us to bring your truth out beyond this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.